Hey guys, welcome to the Abstract Audio Podcast. I'm your host, Derek. Let's jump right into it. Um, We are about one week removed from the best UFC fight card I've ever seen. Uh, UFC 217, if you guys watched it, you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, What a hell of a fight card, guys. I, I think... What really blew me away was going into it with, you know, like, mid-range expectations. I wasn't expecting anything too crazy. Like, for example, going into the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Jorge Masvidal fight, if I had to say, I would have thought Masvidal would charge Wonderboy, make it dirty, and win by knockout. But to see Wonderboy pick Masvidal apart the way that he did so strategically and so precisely, um, it was it was an awesome fight to watch, which I knew it would be entertaining. But Stephen fucking Wonderboy Thompson is something to see. I mean, that point karate fighting style, uh, and I. But I don't know. I feel like Masvidal's, you know, he's not out. Like, we can't count him out. He, uh, I just feel like he wasn't prepared. He wasn't strategically prepared. I think it was Tyron Woodley that said in the uh, post-fight coverage on Fox, you know, he was saying that Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's one hell of a puzzle to solve, and you guys saw that. You know, it's not as easy as it may seem to spectators. And that was definitely seen in their second fight, uh, Tyron Woodley and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's. But even with this win, I find it hard to be excited by the thought of a trilogy fight between Wonderboy and Tyron. Um, I thought it, you know, Rogan hit the nail on the head in that post-fight interview asking Wonderboy if he feels like he has to do some spectacular shit to get that trilogy. And, you know, Wonderboy responded by saying that, you know, he's always gunning for the title. But even that, man, I mean, just at the thought of it, I don't know, guys. It doesn't seem that exciting to me. I, you know, I... I give it to Tyron. He has, I think, maybe the best fight IQ in MMA right now. But, uh, you know, he fights very strategically. It's like a chess match. The only downside is sometimes that manifests in the fights being about as entertaining as watching a chess match. You know, uh, and that opens another debate where it's like, of course, it is entertainment, but is it more entertainment than a sport? Because if if you look at it like a sport, Tyron went into that fight, uh, that second fight, with one objective, and that being to retain his title, and he did that. Now, it was the furthest thing from entertaining, but it's like, who's to say? So... 
I don't know. I hope that we see Wonder Boy versus Darren Till, especially after Till's showing against uh, Cowboy Cerrone. I mean, man, I hate to see Cowboy, you know, knocked around like that, but uh, Darren Till just, he's a fucking a monster of an up-and-comer, and I think that would be an awesome fight, and that's exactly what Wonderboy needs. Um, and then for the next fight, Ioana Yinjacek and Rose Namajunas. Now, going into this fight, I'll admit, I this is a fight that I felt like I didn't even need to see, because... With all due respect to Joanna and to Rose, I mean, I felt like Rose was a worthy opponent and a tough-ass chick, so she was going to stay in there all five rounds um, with the only possibility of that not being by a submission. But I thought she was going to be in there all five rounds, and I thought, you know, it was going to be another war that Joanna put on. You know, just beating her by points every round, uh, staying in there, getting rocked. But actually, Joanna doesn't even get rocked. So that's what made this all the more fucking crazy. To see in the first round, Rose throw that goddamn, what was it, a left hook? And catch Joanna and Jacek and knock her on her ass. And, and before that even... She stumbled her, and it was bizarre. Even that was fucking bizarre to see. And I don't mean to discount Rose, guys. Uh, she was the highlight of the whole card for me, and I'll get into that in a second. But I don't know if she just has that much power or if I have a theory that Joanna obviously likes to play mental games, and I feel like that boogie woman shit that Rogan kept alluding to um I feel like that was desperation you know that's why I came across so unauthentic or at least to me it came off unauthentic and, and corny extremely corny um I feel like Joanna knew that she wasn't getting into Rose's head and maybe that accounted for part of it uh but <laughs> holy shit for Rose to catch her the way she did and that fucking post fight interview uh was fucking amazing by far that was that to me was the best shit of the night for this fucking warrior you know this little warrior to be up there fucking trembling in her fight interview and I was shocked as fuck. I did not know that she was Southern as shit, you know? So when Rogan asks, how does that sound? And she says, it sounds like butter. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Uh, but it was fucking awesome, you know? And then she proceeds to say, this isn't shit. You know, this title, this is all extra. And um, I'm just normal. And And then, you know, she just says, just be a good person. And that shit was fucking... I mean, I'm getting chills now. That shit was powerful. And at the time, I thought she was talking more so... Like, you know, the the just be a good person. I thought she was... That was in direction to 
the political shit going on, you know, with everyone picking a side and the country seemingly being split, or with the massacre shit going on. Um, but in the post-fight press conference, you know, she touched on it a little bit more and mentioned, and, and I still think it was partially on on those subjects or addressing those subjects rather but she mentioned also how the the new promotional style is or the new promotion style rather in the UFC where you just kind of act out and be an asshole and talk shit and then you get your fight you know and you get to the spotlight slowly if you keep talking shit and it's difficult though because it's easy to say, but at the, at the same time, I do feel like I could be over here the most skilled MMA fighter. And as long as that guy across the room is talking the most shit, that's where everyone's eyes are, you know? Um, but I don't know. It's hard to say because if you look at the title holders right now with GSP, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Rose, uh, Max Holloway, I think, is reasonably humble and a reasonable, like, competitor. Um, TJ Dillashaw, even, you know, he kind of took the the defensive on him and Cody's uh, little beef. And I, I think he was reasonably, reasonably respectful. Um, but I don't know. It's hard to say because at the end of the day, that talk, that same shit talk is what feeds these guys' families, you know? That's what puts food on, on the, the table for their kids. So it's easy to say I think that's going to be a debate that we have, if not for months, for years, because it, it just works, you know? It is balancing sport and entertainment. So it's it's... It's uh, more complex than just saying, you know, be a good person. But I love the sentiment and I still get chills. So that shit was the moment for me. Um, But in all honesty, that next fight, the Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw fight. Now that was like the meat of the card to me. I knew, you know, I felt like, of course, that's going to be the banger. We're going to see these guys go toe to toe. All this animosity finally coming to a head. And, uh definitely did not disappoint uh to see to see tj dillashaw rocked the way he was at the end of that first round and i mean john anik put it perfectly i believe it was john anik he said that you know if that fight or if that first round rather would have gone on 30 more seconds uh cody would have likely retained the title and i think that shit is so true um but fucking hats off to TJ Dillashaw for coming back into that second round with a different strategy and looking like a new fighter and fucking rocking Cody Garbrandt. I mean, holy shit, guys. Uh, what a fucking fight. Now, I think this... Uh, and, and then for him to call out Mighty Mouse afterwards, I could not be more fucking excited for that. Um... I think we will see this rivalry for years, similar to, um, it's very reminiscent of Uriah Faber and Dominic Cruz to me, 
So, which is awesome, because both of these dudes are, you know, fucking amazing athletes. And uh, I believe Dillashaw said in the post-fight press conference that, hell no, Cody isn't getting a rematch immediately, and he's going to go through the gauntlet that that fucking uh, weight class presents. And I think that's reasonable. I do, but... uh, so I would say, and, and with how stacked that that weight class is, I really feel like, you know, it, it's it's not an easy task. And and I think it for sure will happen because they have the fights, they have the superstars. So I think even promotion-wise, it makes sense. And because uh, everyone's going to tune into a fucking Cody Garbrandt fight. I feel like, I feel like he has enough of a following now that he is for sure, you know, he, he proves promise to be one of their future uh, star athletes. Um, but I, I worry, man, because that's at least, what, one, if not two fights until a title shot. And then if he fucks up and loses one of those, an even longer path. Uh, I have faith in Cody, though. He was He was my pick going into it, but what a fucking fight. And then the next fight, in all honesty, guys, I looked at the GSP and Bisping fight, just kind of like the cherry on top of the card. Like, oh, yeah, and and we have this to watch, too. It was kind of like, I for sure wasn't that excited. But mind you, for a little perspective, I got into the UFC maybe two to three years ago by way of Rogan but it was along with the rising of um Ronda Rousey and Conor McGregor so I didn't see much of GSP I knew of him but I I definitely I can't act like I'm familiar uh, and I know Bisping, I've seen him, <laughs> seen him fucking knock out Rockhold, uh, and I don't know, I wasn't expecting too much, but holy shit, guys, another fucking, another fucking hell of a fight, and for Bisping to go out, you know, I mean, well, first off, what about the fucking chin on Bisping, to get knocked around the way he was, before GSP finally sunk in that rear naked choke, I believe it was, um, that was fucking impressive in itself, and, uh, and then for GSP to come back and win it, I mean, holy shit, uh, I, see, now, the thing is, what, it gets interesting, because, like, what is next for GSP, I don't think he fights Woodley, I don't think he fights, um, I don't think he even, I think he abandons this title, and I think he goes on to fight Anderson Silva, and I think he goes on to fight Conor McGregor, and then I think that's it, uh, but I mean, we have yet to see, I really don't think he'll stick around this division, I think those are the only two next fights for him, but what a hell of a fight, guys, and to see that shit, you know, history in the making, for that guy to come back after fucking four years, 
and uh, win a fucking title. Goddamn. Uh, all right, next up is Complex Con. So if you guys are unaware, Complex Complex Con, excuse me, was this past weekend? Uh, no, maybe two weekends ago. It was recent. <laughs> it was recent enough that I felt like I should talk about it. Um, now, first off, I think it looked like uh, some fuckery if you were trying to go and get shoes there, which it really seemed to turn into at the last minute, you know, or not even the last minute, but the last week leading up to the weekend. It really just seemed to turn into a fucking, a lot of limited releases, exclusive releases of sneakers. And it's like, I don't know, they they have some learning to do. They surely fucking stepped it up from last year, though. I definitely hand that to them. Um, But with that out of the way, you know, if you weren't there for shoes, and mind you, I did not go. I wish I would have. Uh, I didn't know it was supposed to be this amazing, but uh, definitely looking forward to going maybe next year or the year after. Uh, I don't I don't think we see these stopping anytime soon. After after this fucking complex con, they put on a hell of a show. Regardless, I know there was some fuckery afoot, but if you see past the fuckery, Nike had some amazing setups there. I mean, and and fucking everyone. It was just the place to show out. And uh, that's the overall feeling that I had. Was this shit, to me, is like something so great that is only possible in our era. So that's mainly why I want to go check this shit out. Because it seemed like such a fucking creative vibe there. Just with creators of of all avenues, you know? Um, I, like I said, I understand there was a lot of bullshit that went on, especially with the shoe releases, the VIP shit, uh, for sure, if, if they were, if the VIP passes really weren't that limited, I think that's some bullshit, you know, you need to limit that shit, because then it just becomes a standard, and anyone who's not a VIP is like a fucking peasant, but they, as long as they limit that shit, or and find out a different method i know it's easier to say because even these sneaker boutiques and and shit like that haven't nailed it fuck even nike hasn't really nailed it well i mean they're 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 doing well with sneakers i think like the sneakers app i think that's uh that's pretty impressive but i think as long as they nail down a system of releasing these sneakers if that's going to be a focus going forward see i feel like they should also dial it back or, or maybe have some exclusive merch which i know was there but it, it's like god damn i mean from social media all i saw was sneaker releases and mind you that is a lot of the shit that i follow but it, it seemed like it really took over the whole the whole fucking event but nonetheless I mean, you're, you're going to have hiccups when when you're first starting out, especially with something of this magnitude. Uh, so of what I've seen in my interpretation of it, I say hats off to fucking Complex for 
creating a fucking a cultural event. This this shit looks amazing. And uh I'm fucking jealous if you guys got to go. If you guys got to go, let me know how it was. <laughs> Alright. Next I wanted to talk about Chris Brown's new album. Surprisingly enough, right? Uh Heartbreak on a Full Moon. So it's not necessarily the album <laughs> that I want to talk about. It's the length of this bitch. This bitch is clocking in at 45 tracks. And I, I looked at I looked at the playlist or the album and it they ranged from, you know, like two minute tracks to what, four or five minute. So we're gonna be reasonable. Let's say they're all three minute tracks. That that average gives this bitch over two hours runtime. And uh that math <laughs> might be fucking wrong as shit, but it's a long ass album. And uh I just wanna know the logic behind an album like this, you know? When you have an artist that releases a 45 track album and and i you know looking through the the track list i was looking okay like this has to be a ton of fucking skits right no this bitch is fucking straight up songs you know featuring all these artists and it's like i don't know um i, I don't get the logic i was just thinking even if you're a fucking chris brown fan first off no one's fucking listening to this shit all the way through let's be clear about that not even if you're a diehard fucking Chris Brown fan. No one has time to be sitting there paying full attention to these tracks for two hours. And maybe that's what it's meant to be. It's some background shit. But I just feel like, you know, wouldn't an artist want... Like, you figure you could cut that shit into what? You could cut that shit in half and it would be lengthy ass two lengthy-ass albums. So... I figure when I see something like that, I immediately look at that and I'm like, oh, that's a lot of bullshit and filler. And I think it's a lot of throwing shit at the wall and seeing what works. Now, I guess I give Chris Brown whatever credit comes with taking a chance and doing some new shit. See, this is also a theory I had. Maybe it has to do with streaming because I don't fully understand like how artists are paid by the by streams. But maybe it has to do with that. Like, I don't know. It, it gives a higher fucking possibility that people are going to listen to your shit. Or they're going to stream more of your shit. I don't know. Uh, I just feel like even if you have some dope songs in there. How the fuck are your fans going to find that shit? They're going to have to sit through a lot of shit to get to there. Um, so, I don't know. Fucking Chris Brown. Fucking Chris Brown, man. <laughs> Alright, next topic. Um XXX again. XXX Tentacion. So this is a couple weeks old. I'm a bit late to this, admittedly, but uh XXX announced his retirement fairly recently. Kinda not recently at all. It was actually like what, a month ago. Um and I think he's teased music since. So this only further proves my point and, and kinda why I wanted to talk about this shit. Just this seeming publicity stunt that these rappers tend to pull from time to time of 
fucking quote unquote retiring and I feel like it's all just to build buzz and it's fucking you know it's like what do you do you take your fans as being stupid or or what because he was extra extra about the shit as well he um he was on social media talking about how his fans need to go and download the music or whatever because he's gonna fucking delete all of it or some shit now i don't even know as an artist if you would have the power to do that shit and in all honesty i don't know if he did i haven't checked i don't follow like that but i just wanted to touch on you know this fucking half-hearted publicity stunt that is like just fucking taking advantage of your fans i feel like like oh god you fucking doing this like are we getting that desperate like no we're gonna buy your shit dude like you know just keep coming out with music maybe it's to be edgy i I don't fucking know guys but it just uh it throws me off especially when as i said before you know i've i've talked shit i've joked about xx before or xxx excuse me (laughs) but i think that he does represent you know, if if you if you can separate the artist, or rather the art from the artist, or however you want to fucking put that, um, if you can do that, I think because I I can't stand the dude, especially just because of the fucking, you know, the abuse shit. It, it's just gross to me, because when I hear of the dude or I listen to the music, I just think of that shit. And uh, but it seems to be apparent that most people can put that shit aside and appreciate the art for the art because he's bigger than ever, you know. And well, not bigger than ever, but he is one of the more promising young artists. And so. I, I do admit, though, that I think his experimental attitude or his experimental approach to music uh, is is reminiscent to me of Cuddy, and by no means am I relating him directly to Cuddy. I mean, Cuddy's like god level shit to me. Uh, day and night is fucking the anthem, you know. Um, fuck, yeah, <laughs> that sounds amazing, but you know, it, it is somewhat reminiscent of Cuddy. It's just that he's so willing to experiment, and along with Cuddy, you're gonna get a lot of duds, but you're also going to get some dope fucking culture moving shit i feel like possibly and uh so i i try and give credit where credit is due and i think he has a lot of promise in that sense and you know just to push boundaries and expand the sound of hip-hop and i think that's what we need i I love that i love that you have you know fucking lil pump and then you have you know with fucking the two-minute song of straight up just gucci gang right <laughs> and then uh and then you have hove rapping that rapping his ass off on that 444 just speaking his truth and i fucking I, I love i love where music's at man i love where hip-hop's at i love that it's uh so accepting and so uh diverse in the fucking artist scape um so yeah i mean xx put your bullshit man uh your fans don't deserve this shit they're ride or die for real like some of x's fans they're, they're fucking 
they go hard for that artist so that's mainly who I feel like it's fucked up to you know pull that bullshit on you know so I when he decides to quit this publicity stunt we'll see what's next um and then lastly I wanted to get into a little bit of tech as if you probably haven't seen enough on your fucking YouTube feed or in your podcasts and shit uh and more specifically the iPhone 10 exciting right Alright guys, so I recently switched from my iPhone 7 Plus to an iPhone 10, and it's been, what, about a week. I'm sending that shit back today. Uh, so I haven't heavily used the iPhone 10, but I just kind of wanted to give some context. Uh, I'm an Apple fanboy, somewhat. I'm not I'm not crazy about shit. Uh but I've bought every iPhone like solid number I solid numbered iPhone since the 4. So since they came over to Verizon. And I remember just fucking waiting for that shit. You know, I even put on fucking Google alerts. Uh it was like iPhone or yeah, iPhone 4 Verizon. And <laughs> So I would get literally like every fucking news article that posted with that in the title or in the article in general, I would get that shit like sent to my fucking email and just sift through the shit every night. Like I was so anticipating this shit because at the time I had had an iPod touch and that even that was like a glimpse at Apple's magic at the time and the potential that like the fucking potential that this phone I knew would have and and I had heard about it but at the time it was only on AT&T and AT&T was shit and everyone knew that but if you had an iPhone you were the shit temporarily and uh anyway just just from the the fucking iPod touch I uh I'll never forget how how much uh downloading a penguin fucking bowling app blew my mind because i it was like some fucking janky ass little game right in all fairness it ran pretty well but it was fucking it was very basic and it was crazy because i was playing that shit in bed and i was like wait you mean i'm not fucking getting charged for this shit like what the fuck is this this is like and you know that and then the fucking wood maze with the marble game don't act like you fucking didn't have that shit. Everyone fucking had that app. Because that shit was beautiful, too. Holy shit, at the time? Anyways, I knew some of the shit that Apple was on. And I was so excited to get that 4. So, ever since I got the 4, I've got the 5, the 6. And just recently, well, my last phone went with the 7+. Plus. And I did that because I was going to go on the Apple upgrade program. Because if I stayed with my Verizon, you know, pay your shit off or whatever, like the two-year plan, which I don't even think they have anymore, but I didn't know that at the time. So in my mind, if I stayed with my current upgrading cycle at the time, I would have missed this rumored 
uh, iPhone rehaul or like iPhone redesign and that shit wasn't about to happen so I said fuck it I'm gonna try Apple's trading program and I'm like super sentimental about shit I keep my fucking phones I have all of them now except for the 7 plus but I'm trying to live more minimal guys like I want to just use or just keep what I use right so in that in that practice I just want to have the phone that I'm fucking using and I don't want to have this attachment shit so I recently sent back the iPhone 7 plus or rather going into it you know going into deciding to go with the Apple program I was like fuck it I'll try the 7 plus because it's you know at best I love it and at worst it's only a year so I did that the phone worked great I got the all black the fucking max gigs uh and that phone was awesome at the time though it was fucking comically big like there was no fucking way that I was gonna you know I was (laughs) my immediate thoughts in all honesty was damn I'm glad this is only a year you know, that I'm gonna have to have this shit, but, uh, it, it just, you know, after not even a month, you just get used to the size of the shit, and it was awesome, you just appreciate the, uh, the screen real estate that you get, right, and, um, so now, getting the iPhone 10 in hand, I just wanted to kind of touch on my initial impressions, um, it's fucking, it feels tiny as fuck, and, and obviously that's going from a plus to the 10 but this phone feels tiny as fuck and it feels oblong you know because it feels very much like when the four went to the five you know it was just like an ob like a longer screen that's what this feels like um but the whole screen display or like yeah the whole screen the whole fucking front panel display is is gorgeous um not even because of the fucking pixels or, or whatever like the clarity of it but just because of the design to me that shit is gorgeous and uh the notch doesn't really bother me in a weird way i kind of like it like i'll watch videos fucking zoomed in just because it feels like it takes over the whole device I don't know I know for sure I'm an outlier though because I didn't even know this shit was a big thing to people until um you know until I watched a couple CNET videos on YouTube and shit and I realized that's all people were talking about but it doesn't really bother me uh and and it's not that noticeable to me so uh with that being said the, the fucking screen is is gorgeous and I love that fucking full display I think it's getting very close to like the optimal design of what a smartphone is in today and it's not just because it's apple i feel like just the overall design when you think of a phone a smartphone in 2017 damn near 2018 you think of just a thin ass sheet of glass that you know with no buttons uh or as few buttons as necessary counting the fucking volume rocker and the uh the power or sleep or sleep and wake button but you you think of very minimal buttons just a fucking uh an entire screen 
And I think that's where this design is getting. And, uh, and that leads me into the face ID. Um, it's worked fucking flawlessly for me. Uh, but then again, I'm being very lenient, I feel, with it. Just I'm not looking for the lag, I guess. Um, but it is pretty impressive. And it has this feature, which may seem obvious, but it's dope as fuck. So when you get a notification from Twitter or from Instagram, it shows the little notification on the lock screen. And it shows, of course, the app in the top left corner. And then it shows the, uh, it would, where it would read out the message. It just says new notification. And, um, give me one second, guys. I got to plug in this laptop. All right. So with the little notification shit, it pops up on your lock screen, as you would expect. And then when you're looking at a glance it just says new notification but once you hold it to your face to look at the notification that shit populates so whatever text that you got you know whatever fucking update you got from instagram or from twitter then you see that shit and i just thought it was like a really fucking cool way you know to implement the face id and just the overall privacy i guess of it but I definitely get how how it could be more fucking overcomplicating for someone who's just trying to look at their shit at a glance. I'm sure you can turn it off, though. So really not even a problem. Just kind of dope. I wanted to cover that shit. And um, getting to... Well, and then uh, just touching on Face ID. Um, I think everywhere else it's worked for me. In, in within limited use mind you uh the swipe up you get used to you know you get used to that shit really quick i was fucking devastated you know originally thinking about how the fuck we're gonna do shit without the home button and uh you get used to the swiping up uh very quick but i do have to say the what is it the notifications up in the left yeah, the notifications up in the left of the screen and that you got to swipe down. And then you swipe down for the notification center. Or not the notification center, the um, control center from the right. That shit is fucking not only impractical, but it's especially with the uh, control center. Because I used to use that shit all the time. You know, just swiping up from the bottom changing your song, fucking turning your, your fucking flashlight on, whatever, right, I, I don't know, I mean, it just seems super unintuitive, and, uh, underdeveloped, like, I feel like Apple was just like, well, if we gotta put this shit somewhere, and maybe it is, maybe it's just more like, you know, like, well, listen, we have to map all this shit, and, uh, and they're just getting more intuitive with the control, so I like the concept of just swiping down from somewhere on the screen. It seems very simple, but it's impractical. I much prefer it from the bottom. Obviously, now that's not an option because that's used to close out shit. But one feature also that is extremely dope is the um, scrolling through your apps. You just run your thumb along the bottom of the screen, 
and you just switch through your apps that way, which I thought it's. I mean, it's super fucking fast. It's it's just smart. I just I really like when Apple nails it, but more often than not, they've been kind of fumbling, and uh, that control center is one obvious one obvious glaring underdeveloped problem i feel like um other features on the phone oh that fucking camera bump you are not gonna miss this fucking camera um this shit is fucking huge i mean goddamn and i I was watching a review i think it was marcus brownlee uh that had mentioned that or no, it was it might have been Justin C. Uh either way, it was in one of the fucking reviews. And the dude mentioned that it's very clear that Apple is doubling down on this as like a design feature. And it, this shit fucking sticks out, guys. Like so if I mean it, it's apparent, like once you open that shit, that motherfucker is it's protruding like a bitch. I didn't, but um, I have the Apple. What is it? Um, like the rubber case. Fucking drawing a blank on the name right now. Um, and that shit, like with the width of the case, it actually conceals it perfectly. So it's almost flush. It's a little under the case, like so the case comes up on it a little bit, and uh that works perfectly but it's just like the phone by itself and it and of course you probably heard it a ton of times it does have a good weight to it uh but that weight also feels very breakable to me you know and probably to most um i guess it has the wireless charging i don't get why people like that shit i guess if you're gonna just leave your shit on the charger i'm like super ocd about once and i've looked into this time and time again that it's like old outdated battery technology that when you charge it on and off so you don't get a full charge and then you you know plug it back in and uh you just don't fully charge it in these cycles it fucks with the battery and the point i was trying to make is that i've looked this up time and time again and i'm pretty sure with the lithium ion batteries that i think these iphones have it's not a problem anymore but i still am kind of ocd about it so just leaving the shit on a wireless charger overnight doesn't appeal to me and uh and then also on top of that the charging is slower understandably you know there's fucking no wires that shit's amazing that shit is amazing in itself you know let's not skip over that but i mean in the grand scheme of things uh, in the grand scheme of things I'm looking for faster charging. Uh, yeah, I could give a fuck about your magic trick, you know. I just want... And, and this leads me into my little rant about Apple being fucking... With their fuckery. I feel like it's a it's more than reasonable to include one of, if not both. Now, both, I understand I'm kind of dreaming. But one of, if not both, either their AirPods with their premium, you know, quote-unquote premium phone, um, or their bigger charging brick with a USB-C cord, 
I think it's USB-C cord, because uh, that, that allows fast charging. And if you guys don't know, that shit's already, you know, it's it's supported. Um, but it is, I think the bundle from Apple, last I checked, in the U.S., is $70, which is fucking ridiculous. Like, I felt, I felt so stupid buying the fucking, uh, the Apple pen or the fucking pencil, whatever the fuck. Uh, it is awesome and and how it's it's like you're fucking writing directly on the screen shit's amazing it works amazing but a hundred fucking dollars apple like come on fam uh so i feel like apple needs to step the shit up maybe i'm just saying this because i want both of those i want the fucking fast charger and i want the fucking airpods uh but i feel like i honestly feel like that's reasonable with your fucking premium phone and with that being said I do think my opinion on the whole iPhone 10 in general is that we are so so think of the concept if Apple allowed you to pay a premium <laughs> when does Apple not allow you to do that right uh, that's all they fucking allow you to do but no say for example Apple allows you to pay a premium and you get to have a test beta phone of like what's to come with new tech you know so you're essentially testing the phone for apple you're just paying a premium to do it in all honesty that's probably my overall takeaway from the iphone 10 it feels like it's a beta that you're paying a premium to test and and that's kind of cool right but it's just like if i would have known this shit I would have definitely likely not gone with the uh, Apple upgrade program and just upgraded next year. Because I just read a, a report today, or a fucking report, what the fuck, uh, a tweet. <laughs> it was like a tweet and an article attached. And uh, it said, you know, there are already rumors of a, of course, a plus with uh, the... 10 screen an all screen plus coming next year along with um an upgraded well whatever specs are going to be upgraded in this size the size of the 10 now and then they're also interestingly enough they're going to have a what was the previous screen uh i know this is like amoled or some shit like that i don't know i'm I'm super bad with my tech shit but uh i think it's an lcd screen yeah that's like what the last iphone was or the iphones before the 10 were and so it's gonna have an all-screen design and i would imagine it's gonna be like the budget model but it's gonna be an lcd screen and so they're showing like the ppi like the pixels per inch or whatever the fuck and uh so yeah, I, I think there's no reason to upgrade right now if, you know, if you guys are still debating. I would honestly wait till next year. Like it genuinely does feel like we're just paying extra to beta test this shit, which which can be kind of cool if you think about it in concept. It's not it's not exactly a a straight up negative. It's kind of cool, but um let's see, is there anything else to touch on with the phone? Um, uh, I don't think so, guys. I think that was about it. 
and that wraps up the topics I wanted to talk about. So regarding the podcast, I'm going to get way more consistent. I've been fucking lacking. If you're listening to this podcast and you listen to the last podcast, shout out to you. You're fucking amazing. But regardless, if you're listening to this podcast, I fucking appreciate you. Um, I love you. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it like far more than you know. Uh, and I just got to get used to this shit, guys. Get uh, disciplined with the recording schedule because I have more than enough shit that I want to talk about. It just is purely the discipline. So as always, if you guys want to, the contact information regarding social media, Instagram, Twitter, email, that shit is all going to be on the podcast, like info and shit. So if you have any questions that you want answered or topics for me to talk, uh, you know, to just rant about, um, let me know. And I look forward to keeping this shit consistent for you guys and always improving, getting more comfortable on the mic, getting more consistent, uh, and just fuck, man, just doing this shit because... I think there's an outlet for it. I think there's people who want to hear it. Uh, so, with that rambling done, I believe that concludes the podcast. So, shout out to you guys. I fucking love you guys. And you'll be hearing more from me soon.